0: You are listening to sermon audio from Fort Myers Community Church. For more information about how to get involved in the life of this church family, please visit (laughs) www.fmcc.life. Praise God. Well, my name is Mark. I'm excited to get to share with you guys this morning. Uh, Bill had asked me to share. And every time I do share, I'll be honest, I get really nervous. I don't really thoroughly enjoy speaking in front of people but I feel like it is good practice for me, and so I always am thankful for the opportunity. And uh, my wife and I, we lead a ministry here in Fort Myers called Ride Nature. We do outreach with kids both here in Southwest Florida and all around the world using things like skateboarding and surfing as tools for ministry. And um, some of you I know were at, we had a fundraising banquet, and I just want to share this real quick, because this is such a huge praise. On Monday night, we did, uh, it was our 11th annual fundraising banquet, and it's kind of like the big event that we do to raise money for the ministry, and we raised $350,000 on Monday evening. It was, it was by far, last year we had set a fundraising goal of 160, and we raised it in full, and this year we were like, let's double it, and then we actually felt like we had done our budget for the year, and there were some big projects that we were wanting to take on, and so we raised it even more, and we raised it in full. And, and it was absolutely mind-blowing to me. Like, I left feeling so encouraged at how good God is and how often he provides. And um, I actually, so I just finished reading this book, and I'm going to share this before I pray, but um, it was called The Cross and the Switchblade. And um, really good book, if you guys have never read the book. It's from the 1960s, so it was like over 60 years old. And um, I definitely recommend it. If, um, if you guys get a chance to read it. But, but the author and kind of the story is all about this guy, David Wilkerson, who starts Teen Challenge. And there's a part of the story um, that he shares. And he's training these young people on how to share their faith. And I was relating so much to this story because it's kind of what we're doing as well. And he asked them, he said, how would you share with somebody who's never heard the gospel before? And this young girl goes, well, I would tell them that Jesus loves them. And he, he died, for their, died for their sins. And he said, here's the deal. You cannot be a parrot. And when he said that, I was like, I'm reading this. And I'm just like, well, that's really odd. And he said, he said, we can't just regurgitate things that we've heard. We have to say them with meaning and with the Spirit's power. And he said, he said, every time you share scripture or every time you share the gospel, we need to pray that God gives us the same power of the words that when they were first shared. And so that's my prayer this morning, that the words that I share will come from the Lord, will come from the Spirit, and will have the exact same power that they, that they had when they were inspired by the Holy Spirit to even write the things that were written in scripture. And so I'm going to pray for that today. And um, yeah, we'll pray that the Lord speaks through me. So Jesus, we love you. God, we love you so much, Lord. We thank you for what you've done for us. We thank you for giving up your son, that we can have life. Lord, we thank you for your word, which is infallible and perfect and complete, lacking nothing, God. That we can read from it and know that it's inspired by you and that it's from you. And so, Lord, I pray that you will speak through me today. Use your word, use your scripture, Lord, to inspire, to move, to, to lead us to action, God, in the way that we live, the way that we serve, in our community, and to the ends of the earth, Jesus. We just ask this in your name. Amen. And so, um, last week we finished up the first section of Ephesians 1, and we're going through the whole book of Ephesians over this next year. And um, I get the honor of getting to introduce us to the second section. Um, In Ephesians 1, this will be chapter 1, verse 15 through 23. And Bill mentioned this last week. He talked about the story in Ezekiel of the dry bones. You guys remember that? You were here for that? Um, For me, I'm such a vivid and uh, visual learner that I love that story so much because I just get to imagine dry bones coming to life. And so we're going to reread that that story real quick. I'm going to invite up Ethan. He's going to read this passage from Ezekiel. And then we're going to kind of talk about that. Because this next section starts with, for this reason, let's see if we can turn this on. Well,
1: there you go. Sorry guys. All right, Ezekiel chapter 37, verses 1 through 14. Come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe on these slain, and they will live. So I prophesied as he commanded me, and the breath came into them, and they lived and stood on their feet, an exceedingly great army. Then he said to me, Son of man, these bones are the whole house of Israel. Behold, they say, our bones are dried up, and our hope is lost. We are indeed cut off. Therefore prophesy and say to them, Thus says the Lord God.
0: We were getting ready for the banquet and Shannon, my wife, calls me and there's two things, if you've ever been in my house or if you haven't been in my house, I would love to invite you to come to my house. But there's two things that our house is full of. It's full of things that we found at garage sales and it's full of things that we found on the side of the road. (laughs) And I'm I'm serious about this. It's literally things that we found on the side of the road because we live um, kind of off McGregor, and they do a bulk pickup every Tuesday. And no joke, every Monday night, people set pretty nice things out on the side of the road. Well, Monday, we're setting up for this uh, banquet, and Shannon calls me, and she says, hey, I know you're really, really busy, but she's like, will you just look at your phone real quick? I sent you a picture of something that I found on the side of the road. And she was like, I need to know if you want me to pick it up. And so I look at my phone, and, and I'm going to show you. It's under this brown blanket. And, and I said, I looked at it, I was like, why would you even ask me if I want that, Shannon? Of course I want that. I was like, absolutely I want that. And as soon as I, um, as soon as I saw it, I was reminded of this story in Ezekiel. So this is what she found. I'm going to show this to you guys. This suspense is probably killing you. Check this thing out. <laughs> I was like, who throws this away? i was like, this thing is awesome, and it actually has a huge wasp nest in here, so I had to make sure, but it's still covered in, like, spider webs. It was real nasty, but um, anyway, she sends this picture, and, and, and she picked it up off the side of the road, and I was like, wow, this is amazing, and I started thinking of this story in Ezekiel of dry bones, and I don't know if you can get drier bones than this. <laughs> um, this thing is as dead as dead can come right there's there's not much that's going to be more dead than this and I was thinking as I was preparing for this message that this truly is a representation of our life without Christ that we are dead like dead dead like there is no life in us we can't breathe we're not going to wake ourselves up we are as dead as this I don't know anyone know what this is I have no idea I'm like an old cow I think I would, I was hoping Tim you could tell me but no buffalo it's a ram? I don't do it. If this is a ram, this will be one big ram, but it might be. Um, anyway, I was curious, but we, uh, Shannon actually talked to the guy that said it on the side of the road, and he said he found it up in northern Florida and said he thinks he was a couple hundred years old, so who knows, but um, this represents us, and I say that to say that um, it is a work of the Lord that we change from this. Amen? Amen. That, that without Christ, we stay like this. We stay dead. We're born into sin. We live in sin. And that there are no amount of programs, performances, or professionals that are going to lead us to Christ. Um, and what I mean by that is we can have the nicest church building. We can have the best mics that, praise God, are not cutting out like they were a couple weeks ago. Um, we could have the best worship. And it's not going to change the sovereignty of God opening and bringing life to people, opening the hearts of people to change them. Um, we can do our best to fully, boldly, persuasively, and clearly preach the gospel, but in the end, it's 100% a word of the Lord. And um, Paul finishes out section one, if you guys have your Bibles in chapter one, he finishes out this section, and he says, um, in verse 13, he said, In him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it, to the praise and glory of him. Amen. He starts this next section, and this is what we're going to be going over in the next few weeks in 15. He says, for this reason. He says, for this reason, because they had already received it. He's writing this letter to the Ephesians, because they already had put their faith in the Lord. God had already opened their eyes. He had already revealed himself to him. They were a part of the church. And he says, for this reason... Um, because I have heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love toward the saints, I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. He goes on to say that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of him, having the eyes of your heart enlightened that you may know the hope that which he has called you, what are the ridges of his glorious inheritance in the saints, and what is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe, according to the working of his great might, that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at the right hand of the heavenly places, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. And he put him... Uh, And he put all things under his feet and gave him as head over all things the church, which is his body and the fullness of him who fills all of it and fills all in it. Um, As we're getting ready today, I was praying about this and I was like, man, the the title of the sermon is the power of prayer and discipleship. That discipleship, we know, we've said this before at church, is not something that happens just after someone becomes a Christian and from the cross, but it actually also happens to the cross. That we are discipling people as we lead them from this to the cross and then from the cross also. That as we witness the people, as we share the gospel with people, as we get to tell them the hope that we've received, that there is a discipleship process that's taking place as we lead them to Jesus. And um, when the what the Ephesians had received and the joy that Paul is writing about is a gift that God had given them. He mentions that the spirit of wisdom and revelation of him and, um, and that their eyes of their heart were enlightened, that they may know the hope that he has called. And he starts the section with, For this reason I do not cease giving thanks. He's rejoicing in the enlightenment of the hearts of the Ephesians. He's praising God for the prayers that he had prayed and the answers that God had answered, the prayers that God had answered, of God revealing to them the hope and the joy. He says in this, um, in verse 18, he talks about this hope, which are the riches of his glorious inheritance, the immeasurable greatness of his power and the working of his might, and then we know that through, the, through those three things, that it raised Christ from the dead, that it set him in heaven, and, uh, next to God in heaven, it gave him dominion over all things, and it set him as the head of the church. And God did all of this. It was a work of the Lord, not of Paul. Um, and I think it's important for us to realize that because we look at the world, and the world is broken. Agreed? That there is sin, that there is darkness, that there is people that are lost in pride and greed and lust, whatever it might be. And, and the need for the world is not to fix those issues, but the need for the world is for those people who have those issues, which are all of us, to have our, our, our eyes of our heart enlightened to the goodness of God and what he's done. In the book of Job, um, Job is mad because God has allowed things to be taken away from him. Eliphaz says to, jo- to Job, he says, Who by searching can find God? Who by searching can find God? And the answer is, in our strength, nobody. No one in our own strength searching for God is going to find God on his own. God has revealed himself, and it is only through the revelation that we can really know God, and it's only through God that the Spirit opens the heart of people to really understand him. In 1 Corinthians 2.14, this is what it says. It says, the natural person does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are folly to him, and he is not able to understand them because they are spiritually discerned. In John 6, 44, um, Jesus says, "'No one can come to me unless the Father who sends me draws him, and and I will raise him up on that last day.'" No one can come to him until the Father draws him. At the woman of the well, Jesus is literally standing before her, and she says this. Jesus says to her first, he says, "'But the hour is coming, and now is here, when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth, for the Father is seeking such people to worship him.'" God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. And the woman who has Jesus standing right in front of him says, I know that the Messiah is coming, he who is called Christ, and when he comes, he will tell us all these things. And Jesus looks at her and he says, I who speak to you am he. Jesus had to reveal to her who he was. She knew that the spirit was coming, that the Son of God was coming, that the Messiah was going to come. It wasn't until Jesus said, I am the one that you're talking about. And I can, if I'm totally honest with you, when I read a lot of these verses, I can start to feel frustration when I think about those that I have shared the gospel with and the Lord hasn't opened their heart. Um, When I start to believe, and I know and I do believe this, that the work of God in the salvation of other people is 100% His work. It is not for me. We are saved through faith alone, and grace alone, and Christ alone, for His glory alone. That all of that has no part in the words that I say. My sal- other people's salvations do not rest on my shoulders. And so I can pray and I can begin to get frustrated in some ways that I'm like, Lord, like I am sharing the gospel. I am witnessing these people. Why are they not coming to know you? And I have another stor- another uh, blanket up here that I'm sure you guys are kind of wondering. Unfortunately, it's not another skeleton or a skull. I wish it was. But um, this one was actually from a garage sale. And um, on Saturdays, we will drive around sometimes in our neighborhood and go to garage sales. And on one Saturday morning, we were at a garage sale, and I see this item. And I, I pick it up, and I ask the lady that's selling it. And I say, how much are you guys selling this for? And she says, $5. And I look over at my wife, and I'm like, hey, what do you think? It's 5 bucks." And she's like, what are you ever going to do with this? And I said, I don't know. Maybe I'll use it in case of emergencies. And, um, and the lady overhears this, and she says, promise me you will never use this. She goes, promise me, promise me you will never use it. And, um, and I said, okay, I promise I'll never use it, but I'll show you what it was. $5 at a garage sale. It was a parachute. <laughs> <laughs> and um, I put this on at the garage sale and I started walking around with it. And I told, I told my wife, I said, man, how funny would this be if I wore this on the airplane as a carry-on? <laughs> and, I, and I got on the plane. And I would just like sat at my seat. I was like real fidgety the whole time, like kind of being real nervous. And um, I, I, I was like, I think it would definitely kick me off the plane. But I, I put it on, and sure enough, obviously I bought it. And, um, and I've used it only one other time, maybe twice. But for this analogy of the fact that we get to bring good news to other people. And I had this thought one day after we had bought this uh, parachute, which if you have, have any of you guys ever, ever skydived before? Okay, a lot of people, actually, yes. So I've skydived also, and, and you have a lot of faith and trust in this parachute. <laughs> in fact, I was actually, the first time I went, I've gone twice now, the first time was on my wedding day, and um, as we're sitting there and they're opening the door, I couldn't help but just be nervous, thinking, man, if that parachute doesn't open, I'm obviously not getting married. And, uh, but you put a lot of hope and trust in a parachute, And you literally assume it's going to open, and so that's why that lady, she said, I've used it a bunch. She's like, I've jumped a ton of times, but she was like, I have no idea how long it's been since I've used it, and so she's like, promise me you're not going to jump off anything. Um, But I had this thought, and I just want to paint this picture for you guys. Imagine you get on an airplane, and as you get on, you hear the pilot and the stewardess kind of talking about some issues that were going on, and um, halfway through the flight, you hear the pilot come on the intercom, and he says, hey... I have some bad news. The plane's going down. He said, the plane's going to go down. We're crashing for sure. But he said, I have great news because under every seat, there's a parachute. All you have to do is reach out and put it on. Um, well, you look to the person next to you, and that person's sitting there with his headphones on. And he's not paying attention. You look to the person on the other side of you. You're in the middle, and this person's sleeping. He didn't pay attention. Um, the question I, I want to ask you is, is, do you just reach under your seat and put the tail them, hey, take off your Or do you wake them up? Do you shake them? Do you tell them, hey, take off your headphones? Listen, man, the plane's going down. And if they ignore you, if they laugh at you, if they say, yeah, whatever, man, it doesn't matter, do you continue to fight and to share and to pray that they're gonna listen? And I would hope it's the latter. Um, And the truth is is that we're on a plane that's going down, that, that we are not promised we're gonna live forever. That eventually we're gonna die and there are people who are not listening that are ignoring the truth they've got their headphones in they're sleeping in fact the Bible even says that they're asleep and I just want to reemphasize this this famous um, theologian Jonathan Edwards he says that you contribute nothing to your salvation except the sin that made it necessary that that there is nothing that we do to earn our salvation and much like that parachute in my mind, I mean, this might be a horrible analogy, but, but by me, by the pilot saying, hey, it's under your seat and you put it on, I can't take any credit for, for saving myself. I could say I put it on, but I didn't earn that parachute. I didn't buy the parachute. I didn't bring it with me. I didn't get it at a garage sale and wear it on the plane. Um, all I did was accept what he said and the outcome of what was coming, and I said, all right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do it. And there is this paradox in our faith of God's sovereignty, yet our responsibility. God's sovereignty says that he's going to save those that he's going to save. He's going to open the eyes of the hearts. But then in Romans, um, which we're going to turn for and we're going to read, if you guys have a Bible, if you want to pop over to Romans, they mentioned it last week. This is the verse that literally, um, I would say literally drives me to do the ministry that we do. For 13 years, we've been doing full-time ministry, going literally all around the world to tell people about Jesus. I won't be here next week. I'll be in Jamaica um, on a mission trip, evangelizing to kids in Jamaica. Um, And it's because of this passage, and it's because of the responsibility that God is, while he's doing the work, he's choosing to still use us. And in Romans 10, um, in verse 8, he starts with this. He says, but what does it say? The word is near you, it is in your mouth, and in your heart. In Ephesians 13, going back to the passage that we read last week, it says, when you heard the word of truth, and in in, uh, Ezekiel 37, 4, it says, prophesy over them so that they can hear the word of the Lord. And in Romans 10, it says the word is in you. Again, talking to believers, the word is near you, in your mouth, and in your heart. That is the word of faith that we proclaim. Because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with one heart, with the one heart, sorry, for with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. For the scripture says, everyone who believes in him will not be put to shame. They won't go down with the plane. He says for there is no distinction between the Jew and the Greek for the same Lord is Lord of all bestowing his riches on all who call on him for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved How then can they call on him they have not believed and how are they to believe in him whom they've never heard and how are they to hear unless someone preaches and how are they to preach unless they are sent as it is written how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news but they have not all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah says, The Lord, Lord who has believed what he has heard from us. So faith comes from hearing, and hearing through the word of Christ. That when I read that passage, and I read this section in Ephesians, and I see Paul say right at the beginning, For this reason, because I have heard of your faith in the Lord and your love toward the saints, I did not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in, our pr- in my prayers. That there are, uh, let me see here, six things that I want to encourage you guys to pray for. Just like Paul, I'm confident that Paul, in fact, I know that he prayed for these things. The Bible mentions it. The first is that we pray for opportunities to tell people what God has done in our lives. If you are here and you have had the eyes of your heart enlightened, then I'm going to pray that God gives you the opportunities to get to share that with other people. The second prayer is that we will have boldness when we share That just like you put on a parachute, that you don't shyly look over at the person next to you and say, hey, man, like, if you want to put on your parachute, maybe that would be a good idea. That you're like, bro, we are going to crash. This plane is going down. Get your parachute on right now. Um, That we have boldness and confidence in what we share. Third, that we will have passion that when we speak, that we won't be like parrots that just repeat the things that we hear. That you guys won't leave here and just say, oh, well, that's what Mark said, so I'm going to say it also. But that it will be from our heart. And from our joy of our soul, that we will speak of it with passion. That the gospel sometimes is kind of complicated, or at least we make it complicated. But the, tr- the truth and the reality is that the gospel is pretty simple, but we can overcomplicate compl- it. And so the fourth prayer is that we will have clarity when we explain it to people. That when we explain it, we will explain it clearly and simply. That just because something's simple doesn't mean it's easy. Sometimes the most simple things are the most difficult things. The fifth thing, that we will pray for ears that would listen. That nobody, we can force nobody to listen to us. That we can go out and with joy, we can knock on doors to our neighbor's house. We can witness to our friends. We can share the gospel with people at work. But, but people don't have to listen. But lastly, and the last thing that I want to pray for, and this is ultimately the ultimate prayer, is that God would open the hearts and enlighten those people to understand the things that we're going to say. Because while faith comes from hearing and hearing the word of God, that also, simultaneously, God has to be the one that allows them to have faith. That faith is a gift from God, yet faith comes from hearing. It's um, this paradox that we, that we listen to, and, um, or we believe and we read in Scripture, and we say, how does that make sense? And the reality is, how is God being fully man and fully God? It's like, we don't know how that makes sense either. How can God already know who's going to choose Him Yet he offers it to us the responsibility to get to bring the good news to the world. Um, first Timothy two, one through four, this is what Paul also writes. He says, First then giving be made for all that supplications, prayers, and intercessions, and thanksgiving be made for all people, for kings and all those who are in high positions, that we may lead a peaceful and quiet life, godly and dignified in every way, that is good and is pleasing in the sight of God our Saviour. Saying, I want you to encourage you to pray in all ways that we would live a life that ultimately is above reproach and dignified in every way. This is good and it's pleasing in the sight of God. And he says, who desires that all people to be saved and come to the knowledge of truth? Like a parachute for those who are going down on the plane, we have the good news to those who are lost, who are dead, who are literally in this condition. That we get to bring them the truth of God and help bring them back to life, and alongside the work that God is going to do. I have one last story, um, and before I share that, I'll share this last verse, that, that the last thing we can do is carry weight on our shoulders. That the moment we start to think that people's salvation rests on us, we will be carrying a burden that God does not want us to carry. Um, Paul writes this in 1 Corinthians 3, 6 through 7. He says, I planted the seed, Apollos watered it, but God gave the growth. He says, so neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything. We are nothing, but only God that gives the growth. That's the word of God. So this last story, um, this is, I kind of thought it was a cool story, so uh, I'm going to read it. It says, Alexander the Great was going over the Himalayas, and as he was moving to conquer India, having conquered the Persian Empire and all of its wealth, he saw a young fellow whose horse was heavy laden, And uh, the horse was weakening under the load, beginning to uh, stumble along the path. And as he was doing the best to help the horse, finally the horse just collapsed. So the young boy took the load that was on the horse, and he put it on his shoulders. He began to strain and struggle with the load. And Alexander the Great saw him and became curious of what this boy is carrying. He walks over to him, and he says, He says, why don't you just leave that along the path? What is it that you're carrying that's so important? He looks up at the man, and he says, Sir, I bear in these sacks the treasure of Alexander the Great. And Alexander the Great shook his head, and he said, Tonight when we make camp, I want you to take these treasures to your tent, for they now belong to you. He said, They're your treasures from now. And wouldn't you know, the boy who was carrying the load, all of a sudden the load got much lighter. He carried him with so much more ease. All of a sudden it wasn't nearly as heavy as it was. The Lord, the Lord is saying to us, he said, I have given you the treasure. It's yours. And making it, taking it one step further, the Lord says, I'm going to carry it for you. Amen? That we don't have to carry the treasure that he gives to us. In the, in the second part of this, this uh, scripture, he says that they're the riches of his glorious inheritance. That we have riches far greater than this young man received from Alexander the Great. The gift of salvation that we received is ours to claim. God has given it to us. It's ours. It's our joy to share it, and it's God's work to reveal it to other people. Um, It begins with us on our knees. It starts with us on our knees, and it ends with us on our knees. As we pray for people who don't know the Lord, that it's a prayer that we continue to pray for. We continue to plead with God. We continue to ask him to open the eyes of the hearts of people who don't know him. And in the end, just like Paul says, he says, "I do not cease to give thanks for you." When God answers that prayer, I believe that the Lord wants to answer that prayer. I believe that the, door, the Lord, just like First Timothy says, wants to bring people from death to life. Wants to breathe life into people, like Ezekiel says, he wants to put skin and bones back on people. Um, so I got one last verse before I close and before we close out in prayer. Um, this is Second Corinthians uh, chapter four, five through seven. Paul, again, he says, for what we proclaim is not of ourselves. It's not us. He says, but Christ Jesus says, Lord, oursel- with ourselves as servants for Jesus' sake. For God know- for God said, let light shine out of darkness. Who has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ? And then he goes on to say, but we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. That we have no place to claim credit for the salvation of anyone, but God has given us this unique opportunity to get to share our faith with other people. And that's the prayer that we will leave here, and we will begin That prayer, and the part of prayer of salvation, and the part of prayer in our discipleship, is that God has called us to make disciples. It's a command. It's not just a suggestion that we are called and commanded to go and tell people, to evangelize till we lead people to the cross, and then to teach them to obey everything that God has commanded from the cross, that it starts with prayer, that I know 100%, I know people in my neighborhood, I know people in my family who do not know the Lord, and the question I had to ask myself as I prepared for this message is, is how much time am I spending praying for them? That we can share till we are blue in the face. But how much time are we saying, Lord, please enlighten their heart. Open their eyes. And that's the prayer for this community. That's the prayer for the nations. That's the prayer for the world that we live in. That God will open the eyes and the hearts of people. So I'm going to pray for us. I I appreciate you guys. Um, I want to, last encouragement is that we're carrying this. It's not as heavy as a parachute, but we've got it. We have the promised inheritance that we have hope for eternity that we get the opportunity to share that with other people. So, um, Jesus, we thank you so much, God. We thank you for the work that you have done. We thank you that is all in you, through you, for you. God, that it's nothing that we do in our own strength, Lord. Uh, God, even that analogy of us getting the parachute and putting it on is even more than, than the salvation we receive from you, Lord, that, that it is truly a miracle that we can come to a knowledge of you, Lord, someone that is unfathomable, God, that you would even uh, give us any bit of knowledge of you. Um, Lord, we praise you, and we thank you, God. Lord, we pray for the people who don't know you, Lord. We pray for their eyes to be open, their hearts to be open, their ears to be open, God. Think about people, um, even probably in this room, Lord, that that have never had that happen, Lord. God, I know that um, I know that there are people in our neighborhoods, in our communities, that we have the ability to share the truth with, Lord. So we pray that we will pray, that we will start, and it will start with us on our knees, Lord, praying for them, asking you, Lord, to open their heart. God, I thank you for the work that you have done. I thank you for just as Paul praised you for opening the hearts of the Ephesians. Lord, that he he got to praise you, got to give you all the glory in that. Lord, that we pray that that's what all of this is for, Lord. It's all for you. And Jesus, we just thank you so much for everything that you do in our lives. It's in your name we pray. Amen.